because you do not know the scripture nor the power of God. Jesus has said something very interesting. He's saying that error comes about in life when you don't know the scriptures or the power of God. So the reason why people are living in error in their finances, error in their relationships, error in their health, error in the decisions they make is because they lack a certain truth which can only be found in scripture. They lack the knowledge of the scripture, which also Jesus said all the power of God, meaning that because we know from Romans 1 that the, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. So he's saying that the reason why people live in error in life is because they do not have the word of God or they are not acquainted with the word of God or with the scripture. I would like to use scripture as I could say you understand why. And the same thing in Psalm 119 verse 105. Says that for your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So without the word of God, we will be walking on in darkness. Remember in John 8 12, Jesus said that I am the light of the world. He that followed me will not walk in darkness, but you shall have the light of life. This world is covered in darkness. Darkness means that there is no clear path. You can't really see what's going on. So most people don't know the next step to take in their career. Most people don't know the next step to, to, to take in their relationship. Most people don't know the next step to take in their finances, where to invest their money, who to marry, where to go to school, who to accept, which company to belong to. And the reason why there's so much darkness in the lives of people is because they do not have the lamp, which is the word, which is a lamp onto their feet and a light onto their path. So the same thing Jesus is saying that because people don't know the scripture, we are making errors in our life. So many people are having are going through pain in their marriages. So many people are going through pain in their academics, in their health. And the solution to this pain is the word of God. Now, before I proceed, I would like to establish this foundation. Because of language, and you know that the Bible was not written in English language, but it was written primarily in Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic. So therefore, also, there are some words that are in Hebrew and Greek and Aramaic that are not in English. But if you take a study, you realize that the English language has about 14,000 vocabulary. Whereas, um, I think the Hebrews and the Greeks have about 60,000 vocabulary. So, they have a different word in Hebrew and Greek, which in English has only one new word for it. So, to make it a little bit simpler, for example, the word love. In English, you have just the word love. But if you go to the Greek and the Hebrew, you have different words. That signify the different types of love we have. Just to bring it to our local setting, in our tree, in our tree are the most common language or spoken in Ghana among the Akan. You have so many words in English that you don't have in tree. For example, the word watch, the wristwatch we have on our arm. I don't think we have a tree word for wristwatch. The word angle, like 45 degrees, angle, angles. I don't think we have a tree word for that. So imagine there was um, um, a word in scripture that says, Jesus prayed facing 45 degrees to the south. The person who is translating into the Akan language would not be able to accurately translate it. So they look for similar words in translating a word in English. And this is very important because when you look at the word, word, W-O-R-D in English, we have about three different words in the Hebrew language. That also means the same thing. So when we talk about the word of God, we have about three different um, words in Hebrew. So we want to look at the first one is what we call Rima, the word of God. In other words, the word God speaks to you now concerning a particular thing for a particular purpose. So maybe you are you are going to travel 
and God tells you, don't take this bath. That is God's word to you. And that's what in the Hebrew language we call Rima. But it is still the word of God. So it's the word of God given for the now to address a particular season of your life. Then we have what we call the Logos. And the Logos is what is mostly referred to in John chapter 1 that in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Logos is the what is the Hebrew word they use for Jesus. Talking about the total counsel of God. So whenever you see the word Logos, it's talking about the word of God, but in the totality, the whole counsel, the general will of God. And Jesus is the Logos. So that's the word that was in John chapter 1. But there's another one which we'll be focusing on for tonight. That is what we call the Gafi or the Gafi. Talking about the written scriptures. So our focus on for tonight is knowing how God speaks to us through the pages of scripture. Knowing how God speaks to us through the pages of scripture. And that's what Jesus said. If you know the scriptures, if you become acquainted with the scriptures, you will not live in error. And it starts to say that many believers do not read the Bible for themselves. It would interest you to know that many of the things believers know about the Bible or know from Scripture is what they have heard from somewhere. It is what they learned in, in Sunday school, stories they learned. But many believers have never actually read the story. For example, the story of Cain and Abel. Many believers have never read it for themselves in the Bible. Many believers have never read the story of Moses for themselves. All they know is what they have heard from somewhere, what some people have said. So because of this uh, shallowness, if I should say, or this laziness in our reading of the scriptures, many people are devoid of the light or the lamp of God. So therefore, their feet have no lamp and their path has no light. Their feet have no lamp and their path has no light because there is no way. And the word of God is not just supposed to stay in our brains or in our minds. It's supposed to be seated in our heart. It's supposed to be seated in our heart. Now, it's, it's very important that we understand that for the purpose of our, dis- of our discussion, I would like to define the graphy or the scripture. But before that, the primary rule, if I should say, of the graphy of the scripture is that it is the written or the primary definition story that the graphy is the written word of God. And the written word of God gives people authority. You know, what is written is written. So in law, we call it the power of the pen. So if we didn't have the scripture, like we believers don't have authority to preach the gospel. We don't have authority to say things on behalf of God. So for example, what gives we believers the audacity to go and tell an unbeliever that God loves you? or God loves you, or Jesus loves you, and Jesus died for us. When did God come and whisper to us that, hey, go and tell Brother A or Brother B that I died for him, that I love him, that I'm thinking about him. But because we have seen it in Scripture, we have that authority to speak on behalf of God. So when I come to you, I say, Brother, God's word to you is that he loves to give your life to Jesus. What gives me the audacity to say that this is God's word is because I have found it in Scripture. So the scripture gives us the authority to speak on behalf of the word of God. And the scripture, I would like to define it, is our constitution. So therefore, everything the believer would want to know about this Christian work, I would like to say that God will not necessarily tell you something that has already written in scripture. So if God has written in scripture that wear a white shirt on Monday, you don't expect God to come and tell you personally in a dream or in a vision or in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a trance that created in scripture. He's expecting us to play our role in searching the scriptures, in knowing the scriptures. That is our responsibility. So Colossians 1 verse 9, filled with the knowledge of his will. It is very imperative of us 
that we will be filled with the knowledge of His will. It's our responsibility to be filled with the knowledge of God's will. For the purpose of our discussion, I will narrow down on this uh, um, a bit more. I don't want to zoom into how to really know the scripture, so I'll just narrow it down for the purpose of our discussion. Of our discussion. But it's important to know that even in our pursuit of knowing the word of God, we cannot do this devoid of the Holy Spirit. Because you see, one thing about the Bible is that the Bible was not written topically. You would need to do a thorough set of scripture to be able to grasp the, 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 the concept that you are looking out for. And I was saying early on that even though you could find two pages of scripture that there are some topics that have been addressed by a chapter, for example, talking about faith, Obviously, you go straight to Romans, Hebrews 11. But it's not everything about faith that is found in Hebrews 11. No. There are some things about faith that are not found in Hebrews 11. A very important thing about faith, for instance, can be found in James chapter 2. When you say that faith without works is there. Talking about the balance between faith and works. And also in Galatians 5 verse 6, which says that for faith works by love. So you know that even though Hebrews 11 talks, um, talks much about faith, it doesn't give us all there is to know about faith. So we just can't base our study on faith, on Hebrews 11. We need to go elsewhere. That is why the rule or the person of the Holy Spirit is very important in studying the scriptures. That's why Paul said that rightly dividing a word of truth. A believer that has been automatically places himself in the zone of hearing the voice of God. Now, this is what I mean. It's like radio frequencies. We know that there are radio frequencies all around. But the fact that there are radio frequencies doesn't mean that you automatically pick a station. You will need a radio and an antenna to be able to receive what God is saying. So the word of God is like that radio or that antenna in our heart. So the word of God in our heart is like a radio and an antenna in our heart. It makes us easy receptive to the voice of God. I'd like to give you the example of, of a piece of bread. In an atmosphere, we have microorganisms in the atmosphere, but you can't see them. But if you just put a piece of bread down for a few days, you would come back and realize that there are molds going on it. And the question is, where did these molds come from? They were already in the atmosphere. But because there was no breakdown, you couldn't see the manifestation of this most. It's the same thing with the word of God. God is speaking to us concerning our, our health. God is speaking to us concerning our relationship. God is speaking to us concerning every aspect of our life. But because we don't have the word of God in our heart, that said as a receiver or an antenna, we are outside the zone of hearing God speak to us. So we want to make this as practical as possible. So we just pause here. They would like to share, I and my friends would like to share with you personal experiences you have had where the word of God addressed a particular issue for us to through scripture. And I'd like to start first. I remember when I was in second year in the university, I had this female friend of mine. We were friends since first year. We were very good friends. Even some people who knew about us thought we were dating, but we were not dating. We were very good friends. But somewhere in second year, first semester, she started telling me about guys who were approaching her to propose to her, and she was not interested in them. And it became quite annoying to the extent that she had to tell their friends that, oh, she's already having a beloved. And because I was her friend, 
she was using me as a carer. So whenever somebody comes and approaches, she says, oh, I'm already going out. And those and boys can be really annoying and persistent. So they ask, oh, you are lying. So she mostly used me as care of. Like, oh, that's my beloved. That's my beloved. So it got to a time almost like once a week or once a month or once maybe two weeks. They tell me, oh, there's a guy called Daniel. He's coming to. He has proposed to me. I told him that I'm going out with him. In case he comes and asks you, you be my cover. But I said, oh, I don't mind. But after a while, I said, hey, he just dawned on me that, hey, I have a very good female friend, God friend, and all that. So I think if I date her, it's not bad. So I started conceiving the idea that, hey, this friend I have, I was not ready to go out, I was not ready to be, but she was a very good friend. I wouldn't have mind dating her at all. But I guess, well, it was not something that was on my mind. I didn't have to. But he really started telling me about guys approaching me. I was like, so I really conceived the idea that, that, that I would post to wear in some days to come. But after I just called one of my friends, a very good friend of mine, and I think that, oh, you know this girl I've been talking to you about? I think that, oh, this weekend, I will propose to her. And the guy asked me a simple question, why? And I'm like, why, like, how, why? He said, why are you going to propose to her all of a sudden? Because you have known yourself for a while. And just at that instant, the question he asked me struck a chord in my heart. So after the conversation, as I was walking to my room or something, that I was just thinking about it. And the Holy Ghost ministered to this to me this scripture. Like this scripture came my life to me. Like it started ringing in my heart that as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And I just felt a question in my spirit: What is leading you to propose to her? And I realized that the reason why I was attempting or making a move to go and propose to her was not because I was being led by the Spirit of God, but it was because I was being led by the Spirit of fear that I will lose this lady as a best friend if I don't make a move immediately. So this, this, this scenario gives us an example of how the Word of God delivered me from error. The Word of God saved me from an error I was going to make. That a simple scripture, as many as are led, they are the sons of God. And he asked me, who is leading you? And I realized that it was the spirit of fear that was losing me. So I would like to ask um, Ben, Benjamin, the word of God spoke to him, or how the Holy Ghost used a passage of scripture to give him instruction concerning what decision to do. Right, well, mine is about, um, I think one day I was, I think fasting, yeah, and then um, it got to a point I was very hungry, it wasn't time to make a fast, but I was very, very hungry. So I decided to be like Charlie. Let me just find something small to eat so that maybe after the prayer meeting, then I'll come and get something heavy to then eat. But as I okay. try to go and get some biscuits or some snacks, um, this scripture just dawned on me. And I want to read this. It's in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 16, about Esau. He said, Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one muscle of meat sold his birthright. So I think if we've really studied the story between Jacob and Esau, when Esau was very hungry after going for a hunt, he came back to Jacob and then he asked him for meat. But I didn't really think about the repercussions of what the, uh, Jacob told him, that if he gives him food, then that means he's going to sell his birthright to him. So Esau just nubbed that statement and then just took the food because he was hungry. So just with that, carelessness that Esau had 
he sold his birthright, which led him to losing his blessings from his father. So as I tried to go and get a snack, yes, this scripture just came on me that maybe I might get something small to eat, but maybe the reward that I might get from fasting, if I get that snack, that snack would deny me from getting that reward. So at that moment, I just had to pause and then ponder over this scripture for a while. I decided to endure the fast. Let me endure the hunger for them. I waited to the, the, the time for the fasting to be broken and then had my meal. And it's not only the first time, like it has been happening over and over. Most of the time when I'm very, very hungry, like if I can't endure the fast, this scripture just dawn on me. That it is just for one muscle of meat. It's not like plenty of food that will destroy the fasting that you've done, but some maybe one biscuit that you take us a drink can destroy maybe all the fasting that you have really done. Yeah, so that's my experience. Most of the time, anytime I'm fasting, I try to do more time. Okay. Okay. So that's the scripture that usually does for me. So, um, Abina, if you are around, you can share your Okay, so, um, when I first became born again, like fasting, going for prayer meetings, at some point I realized I wasn't doing it because I wanted to or because of some form of conviction. I was doing it because maybe the people around me were also doing it or maybe my friends. I don't want my friends to think, oh, I can't do this fasting or I don't want my friends to think maybe this girl is not serious in like her, her stuff with God. So I was very like I was looking at what people thought to live my life as a Christian. So one time, a verse from Galatians chapter 1 verse 10, which says, Am I now trying to win that approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. So then it dawned on me. Am I doing what I'm doing just to please human beings? I'm doing it for God. If I'm doing it to please human beings, then I'm not being a servant of Christ. And everything I'm doing amounts to nothing. So from that time on, every time I'm doing something for God, no matter how small it is, I always ask myself this question. Am I able to please human beings? And I want to be a servant of Christ, a true servant of Christ. Therefore, everything I do must be inspired by God. Amen. Um, ben, if or Baba, Baba, if your network is stable now, you can. Um, okay. Okay, so maybe, maybe sometimes I feel lazy to maybe execute some tasks that I've been interested to, or something. Maybe I have work to do, I have something to do, and then like. I'm just not maybe in the mood to do so. I just feel lazy to do it. And then some of the best in Proverbs like, will keep on like ringing in my ears, like a little sleep, a little slumber. Yeah, go to the aunt, you sluggard, consider her with and all that. Too. So anytime I feel like that, and then this switch to mind, it helps me to get back on track and do what I'm supposed to do. Wow. Okay, so we take our last um, our last example from Bennett. 
Okay, um, we got to say um, some time back in back in school on campus, and my friend and I, a close friend of mine, were having a conversation, and um, it seemed um, we were talking about another person in church, and the person had done something really wrong, and so um, I, we were talking about it. So when we were done, and then I was coming back to my room. I, I remember this scripture, um, James chapter 4, verse 11. James chapter 4, verse 11. I'm reading it in um, um, the Passion Translation so that you get it. It says, Dear friends, as part of God's family, never speak against another family member. For when you slander a brother or sister, you violate God's law of love. And your duty is not to make yourselves a judge of the law by saying that it doesn't apply to you, but your duty is to obey. So as I was going back to my room, I remember the scripture that as part of God's family, we shouldn't speak against another family member. So I I, I felt so bad that we had gossiped about that particular member of the church and whether the person did something good or bad, I had no right to just judge the person or speak against that person so i went back to my friend whom i in quotes gossiped with and i went to tell my i told my friend that what we did was wrong and so god has rebuked me badly and i felt so bad so i asked for forgiveness so he should also ask for forgiveness because i thought we've done something bad um, amen so a more clear how god speaks to us through scripture so Paul said that let the word of Christ dwell in you. And I hear people, Christians, if I should say, arguing or having a discussion concerning a topic in the Bible, concerning titles, or concerning how pastors do this, or how pastors do that, or how church members do this, or how church members do that. And it's interesting to me that these words are talking about biblical things. I've never in their life even spent Ten to fifteen minutes even reading scripture, and as we were there, just the Holy Ghost has ministered to me that this is a, a, a graphical representation of how the body of Christ. There are many ignorant believers in the body who want to hear my voice, but they are not willing to pay the price of staying within the range. Remember, I talked about it within the range, but they are not willing to have the antenna or the radio or the bread to receive the words of God. Many people talk about things, especially concerning titan in the church, concerning marriage. And you see these people talking about God is saying this and God is saying that when God has clearly stated the rules of or his principles in the kingdom in the scriptures, but many people never ever study the scriptures. So our, our, our message to us all tonight is as simple that if you want to hear the word of God, you cannot afford to be passive in your steady life, in the study of the scripture. It doesn't just boil down to just reading the Bible. It goes the further step of listening to sermons outside what you hear of just Sunday. For many of us, the only sermons we ever listen to is what is preached on Sunday. We don't even go for Bible studies, we don't even go for prayer meetings, only on Sundays. And then Sundays too, most of the time, when we even go to church, we don't hear what the pastor is saying. Yet still, we come out of service and we are asking that God speak to me. God, what do I do? God cannot, like, 
I don't know how we expect God to speak to us. But as I said earlier on, that if God has clearly stated something in the Bible, you don't expect Him to come and tell you that this is it. For example, God has clearly stated in Scripture that believers should not be unequally yoked. So you don't see a lady or you don't see a guy who is an unbeliever and you say, God, should I marry Sister A or Sister B? When God has clearly stated that, a main criteria in choosing a life partner is that the person should be a believer. So, Christian friends, you cannot decide to take the scriptures. It's very important in our Christian life. You must also go the extra mile of buying Christian literature books. In fact, you know that many believers, they have, they have no idea, like they have, they, it has not even crossed their mind that there's something like Christian books and but most of them belong to churches where their pastors are reading books but they never read and the people that serving me the most are those who buy books and they never open these books in their life and you see it's, it's quite interesting that these same people maybe they want to know the will of God for their life and they have about three or four books one is in the suitcase somewhere one is under their bed somewhere and one has been chewed up by books concerning identifying your purpose. Yet still they sit in their room and hypocritically cry that oh God, what is your will for my life? Oh God, what is your purpose for my life? When God has clearly made resources available to them, for we err because many of us don't know the scriptures. Many of us are walking in darkness. It's so sad to see people go through pain when the answer to their problem is right before their eyes. Is right before their eyes. So at this point we would like to open up if anybody has any question or contribution, anything you want to add, then as usual, we take a passage of scripture that we would pray. Any suggestion, questions to ask, concerning what I said it. God speaking to us through the pages of scripture. So if you have something to question, the floor is open for us to ask. Yeah. Yes, I have a question. Okay. You Okay, um, I want to ask um, how can we actually uh, avoid the temptation of only getting head knowledge? Because it seems like a lot of we have should I say doctors, professors who have really studied the Bible. Some have even studied too. This proof that the Bible is not true and all this stuff. And they do study the Bible that they don't get to the heights that some men of God has, have also studied the Bible to get to. So my question is about how can we avoid that? About just studying to get head knowledge or just information. But studying to get a transformed life. Okay, so please that's the question on the floor. How can we avoid studying the Bible or studying the scriptures just for her? Yeah, Bene. Um, um, I would like to say that as um when um Sam Dollar was starting, he said that um um we cannot do without the Holy Spirit. So. I think that's one main um, missing person that people who read the Bible and are led astray lack 
is the Holy Spirit or they fail to depend on the Holy Spirit for help and interpretation. Just like um, a lot of the Jews, a lot of the Jews were versed in scriptures. They knew a lot of scriptures, but then without the power of the Holy Spirit, they were not able to even understand and descend that the scriptures that they are reading, the main, um, the, the, the one who these scriptures talk about is Jesus Christ. And I have forgotten where um, the passage, what I want to say is, so it's, I think it's from um, Corinthians, either first or second, I'm still searching for it. I'll find it and I'll text you. It says that the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Whenever I read that particular um, scripture, this is what comes to my mind, that um, the letter, which is, um, I would say the 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 in the scripture the um the writings or what some dollar said the graphic the letter itself or the inscriptions itself kills it does some, some as he says some people read the bible and then they are not saved but then the spirit gives life is the spirit or is the holy spirit back in the scriptures that gives us life jesus said that the, the words i speak to you are spirit and life so it is the holy spirit who can make the um, the scriptures beneficial to us without the holy spirit the scriptures or the bible will not be beneficial to us amen the scripture was second corinthians 3 verse 6 second corinthians 3 verse 6 the deep part for the letter killer, but the spirit is life. Anybody have any other contribution to the question? If you have any other thing to say, maybe you have an scripture that you think buttresses our the point given by Bene. If you have any other thing to say. So Bene was saying that or in summarizing Bene's answer, that which would make our study of the Bible not religious is the person of the Holy Spirit. So even Jesus said in John 5, 39, that he searched the scriptures because he thinks in them you have eternal life. But these very scriptures point out to me. And we see this all around. We see many theologians who are not even born again, who even who are even atheists. We see who know the scripture, who know the Torah, who are vested in scripture. But the reason why this scripture doesn't speak to them, doesn't transform them, it's just like any other ordinary historic material, is because they have left the author of the scripture. Remember, Paul said that every scripture is given by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the breath of the Holy Spirit. And he also said that only men spoke as they were moved, as they, as they were carried by the Holy Spirit. And it's interesting that it's only the Bible, or it's only in the reading of the Bible that we have the author of the Bible beside us. And I said earlier on that since the scripture was not written topically, we need to be able to rightly divide it. So even Jesus said that when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into truth. Because truth is like a ministry, it's like a word. And you need the ministry of the Holy Spirit to guide us into the scripture. That is why even when you read the scripture, mm-hmm. but when you were in a situation and needed to correct you or needed to direct you, the very scripture you brought it alive to you. In the examples we all give our testimony that if you didn't have the Holy Ghost life, you would have taken the wrong decision when you had the word of God or when you have read the scripture. So it's a balance. If you know how to 
have a fruitful personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. He makes the graphy alive to us. So does anybody have any other question? So our, our scripture for consideration is in Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3 from the verse number 5 following. It says that trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Now he said that in all your ways acknowledge him. And he says, and he will direct your path. It's interesting the choice of words you use. He said he will direct your path. Um, I would like to explain this scripture with a scenario a man of God gave. I was reading his book. I was saying that the Bible didn't say so that the scripture or he would direct your steps per se, but he would direct your path. And he was given an example that one day he traveled outside or he went to Europe and there was this multi purpose, very complex, oh sorry, there was this complex airport, a very huge airport. And it was interesting that as he descended from the airplane, he didn't really know where he was going. But there was a tunnel in front of him. And the tunnel had many, like it was complex, it was very confusing. But as he was walking around, he realized that the next place he found himself, he was at the place he had to pick his suitcase. So he just picked the suitcase and he was continuing walking. And before he realized he was outside, he met his family and friends that was coming to pick him up and he left. So when he got out of the airport and he just looked, hey, how did that get to the end of the airport? When he had, he had never been to the airport before, he didn't know where to pass. But the way he spoke to them and told him that the airport has been designed in such a way that your path has been carved for you. So immediately you get down from the plane, there's a particular tunnel that if you just keep following the tunnel, you would end up meeting your bus as you keep walking you end, or you end at the airport or the exit of the airport. So those who made the airport built it in such a way that the tunnels would direct you. All you have to do is just keep walking on the path. If you walk, you, you just realize that you are there. And that's how God leads us. God has a way of directing our path if only we acknowledge it. Because that's the condition. And if we acknowledge him in all our things, we don't just acknowledge him in our finances and leave our academics. We don't just acknowledge him in our health and leave our, our, our relationship. We must acknowledge him in every part of our life. So every aspect of your life where you acknowledge him, he will direct your path. God has a way of bringing you to the right place at the right time throughout scripture. An example I love so much is the widow of Zarephath. When the prophet was sent, that I have sent a widow to sustain you. It's interesting that the moment the prophet got to the entrance of the town, the widow was going to fetch a water. So imagine that somebody has met the widow and had delayed her that, oh, escort me to go and buy something. The widow would have missed the prophet. But God has a way of ensuring that both the prophet and the widow is at the right place at the right time. And this is what happens when we acknowledge God. He has a way of directing our path. Some of you might be wondering, um, who will I marry? Don't worry, just keep working on the path. Keep working on the path. Follow the path that has been set before you. God has a way of opening doors and shutting doors. And see, most believers don't really like saying the fact that God closes some doors in our lives. But God has a way of opening certain doors and closing certain doors. It's God's way of directing us. There are many things you might have prayed for, and it seems as if God has disappointed you. But if you acknowledge God, He has a way of directing you. He has a way of pushing you. He has a way of drawing you towards a particular direction. Some of you are wondering, um, um, after school, where will I go and work? 
there are no jobs in the country or the jobs that they are there, they are not paying well, they don't give me better benefits and you are wondering, but if you acknowledge God after school, if you acknowledge God, even while in school, he has a way of he has a way of directing your path. You end up meeting somebody in first year who you end up meeting at your graduation, who would end up leading you to a certain place. And you wonder that if I hadn't met this friend in first year, I wouldn't have met this opportunity. And it's amazing how God is able to do this. That's why scripture said that He's able to make all things work together for our good. We have no idea the many things or the many aspects of our life that God is working together for your good. So we like to close our eyes and take this word of prayer. We want to acknowledge God in every aspect of our life. That we know that as long as we acknowledge God, He will direct our path. Father, we ask that in the name of Jesus, that may we acknowledge you. May we never forget you in every aspect of our life. May we not relegate you to the background of our lives. May we not just open certain doors to our lives and close certain doors, but we ask for grace that, Father, every aspect of our life we would acknowledge you and we would trust you enough that the doors you open for us, that the doors you close for us, we would follow them. And we know that as long as we follow them, our end is your glory. We thank you so much for this grace made available in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. We thank you so much. And we hope that you will join us in this, even as we continue our knowing how God speaks to us, or hearing the voice of God, or discerning the voice of God. Remember, letting the word of God dwell in you richly puts you in a zone to always hear from God. It makes your spirit man receptive to always pick up signals from God. God bless you so much. Bye bye. Jesus is more than God. Oh, Lord, I'm